It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, glad to be back with you again. Uh, uh, this has been a, we're moving on into summertime season. Uh, I always enjoy that. Today, uh, I'm, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do just a little brief conversation on about killing lies. It kind of follows on what we did last week a little bit. Not, not, not going to spend a lot of time on it. Then we're going to go right into a message I give or have given many times on Genesis uh, chapter 2 and 3, which is the, the fall of man where lies are the, the seedbed for the destruction of man. So, so I'm glad you could join us. Uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to give you just a little bit of time with the message, and I'm going to come back in with a, just a few items that I think will highlight it even more. Glad you could join us. Again, this is, I'm Doug Murin. This is uh, Caught on Tape, and, and uh, we're happy you're with us. It's in the answering God's questions that we discover truth. Uh, I'm often, uh, and this morning we're going to start in Genesis 2, the first question that God ever asked in the Bible. I'm often asked so about uh, how I would describe Christianity in contrast to other religions or philosophies. And I like to study what is called apologetics, which means the study of how to rationally and logically present the veracity of the gospel, truthfulness of it. And I like to kind of reduce it down to a succinct statement many of you have heard before. Uh, Really, Christianity is not a, a very good philosophy. It's a sound philosophy. It can be logically and rationally defensed, but it's really not something that is all that intellectually playful. People who want to get into, you know, philosophies that would take a lifetime to comprehend and, you know, kind of want to play mental chess, probably ought not come to Christianity because it's way too simple. It's way too simple, but it is the only sound approach to define evil, to define pain and suffering, though it leaves a lot to mystery. It nonetheless is the soundest and most rational. It's also an awful religion. If you define religion by man's pursuit of God, you have not defined Christianity. Christianity is God's pursuit of man. The Bible is the story of God's pursuit of you and me and how he found us. It's the story of the sending of his son and the Holy Spirit and prophet upon prophet through generation after generation. It's the story of God's passionate pursuit of people that he loved, created, and sent his son to die for. We become dangerous as believers when we follow our propensity to turn something as beautiful as the story of God seeking us out into a religion filled with rules and regulations and procedures where we can really find God. And we move away from grace. And I define grace simply this. It's letting God catch us and letting letting God give to us the deepest desires of our heart freely as a gift from Him. Now God's not impressed in authentic Christianity with any of our efforts to please Him. He, however, is impressed when we stop and put everything else on hold and let him catch us and grasp our heart and let him apprehend us, as the Apostle Paul said. 
So if you're just beginning to investigate Christianity, let me, I've got some good news for you. Uh, we get, there's no rules for you to keep. You're not good enough to keep them anyway, and I'm not either. And these people I know well, don't, don't let them kid you, okay? The good news is all you have to do is stop and let God catch you and then let him live in you. One man has said that those who allow Christ to master them master every circumstance in their life. So as we read the Bible, we're going to listen to one question from God. And it's going to be, where are you? I want to describe it to you. We go to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. And we're going to go to the Garden of Eden. Very famous scene. I doubt that there's a person here that hasn't heard of, uh, you know, the serpent and Adam and Eve and the apple and all that stuff. Though there's no apple here. Boy, you guys are so serious. What happened to you while I was gone? (laughs) Have you been invaded by aliens or, you know, turn the person next to you and give them the old east side chant. Lighten up. Okay, just tell them to lighten up. You, 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 can't, you can't be uptight and know God. That's a rule. It's impossible. And you're so serious and uptight, you would think that life was hard or something. In Genesis, God asks the first big question, where are you? Why are you hiding? What's your secret? It's really what he's saying. What's your secret that's keeping you from me? Why are you hiding? Where are you? Why don't you stop for a minute? Let me catch you. The Garden of Eden is a scene of courtship. It's where Adam meets Eve. It's a scene of deep fellowship with God. God walks with them in the cool of the day. But it's also a battlefield. It's a battlefield between truth and error. And so as we go to this scene, it's a very, as our lives are, a very composite scene. It's one that has a lot of nuances to it and one that takes a lot of discernment to live through. So let's read Genesis 3 and see what God has to offer us in the way of his first question posed to us. Verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you'll die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Uh, A little cartoonish, isn't it, when you begin to think about it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them. Here's the big question. Where are you? And he answered, I heard you say in the garden, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You can see their immediate response to what we call the fall of man, a state we all are in. We're susceptible to really ridiculous and unfounded fears, and we are prone to hiding and 
trying to hide from God and think we pull it off. We hide from one another. And it's, it's a really sad description of our state and need of a Holy Spirit renovation, restoration, redemption through God, through Jesus Christ. In verse 11, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you to not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me, uh, you know, she's a problem. That babe over there is a problem, Lord. I knew it from the get-go. I knew it. You know, my juices got going, but I knew I was in trouble right off. Then the Lord God said to the woman, and what is it you've done? And she said, well, you know, it's a serpent. You should know better than put this serpent in here. And uh, so God gives all three of them, uh, you know, basic description of the state uh, that they've created. These aren't so much punishments we read in the rest of the chapter as a condition and state of affairs because disobedience and what we call sinfulness or uh, defiance to God has entered this realm. And that's when this planet changed. In Genesis 3, that's when uh, the potential for nuclear holocaust started. That's when uh, SNL started. That's when all the bad stuff we know about started right here. This is what got it going. Okay, again, this was a message I gave a few years back called Questions That Jesus Asked, which we would say in this case, Questions God Asked. In this one, we were, of course, learning, where are you? Where are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Um, You know, lies are interesting things. I want to just give you a little rundown here. Uh, Some lies are distortions. They They don't tell all the truth. And you'll see in this passage that we're talking about is, Sometimes we believe things that are only partially true, and a partial truth can be as dangerous as a flat-out blatant lie. Some are falsehoods. Uh, some of them are exaggerations. And, and then, you know, I've run into people who buy into fantasies. Fantasies are people who see things that really aren't there over the years. And that's why we need truth. That, that's why we need the Bible, because the, you, you may not realize this, but you can be prone to a lie that's a fantasy. You can be prone to see things that aren't there. Oh, how many times I've seen this. Uh, some lies can be like thievery, uh, inflating, overstating numbers, overstating the situation, partial truths, misquotations. Oh, my, haven't we all been misquoted as a lie? Somebody misquoted something you said or took you totally out of context. Uh, you can even have impersonations. People say they're talking for God when they're not. I, I had, believe it or not, I had a book company get a hold of me uh, about a about a book I'd written, there was only one problem. <laughs> I'd never written it. <laughs> Somebody was putting out a book with my name on it saying I'd written it. And it, it took us quite a while to sort it out. And it, it was a terrible book. So it, it was kind of embarrassing to begin with. But anyway, there are impersonations. The enemy will impersonate himself and sound like the truth. You got, that's why you need to hang out with people who know the truth. You need to stick to the book. And watch out for misquotations. And for goodness sake, watch out for untested assumptions. How many relationships have been blown out by those kind of lies? Untested assumptions. And so those are just a rundown. As you've noted today, you can think of those kinds of things. I would imagine in weeks subsequent, I'm going to come back to this little list I just gave you. Because I think hearing the truth, embracing the truth, loving the truth is the essential task of being a believer. We are people who know the truth, who is Jesus Christ. But we also give ourselves to living the truth, and we give ourselves to celebrating the truth. And the word repentance is an interesting word that's often, often misunderstood. Usually, I've heard it just be kind of a groaned-on, moaning episode in services where we all come and express how bad we feel for who we are. But really, no, repentance means I'm exchanging my life for the truth. 
Repentance means I'm embracing what is true, and I'm willing to say what is true. Let, let me, let me before we jump back in there, let me ask you, have you ever not told a lie? I, I'll admit, I've told a lie once or twice that I can remember. Do you remember how good it felt when you fessed up to it? <laughs> I mean, it was painful at first, but didn't it feel good to just plain tell the truth? Did you run over my dog? Well, yeah, but it just, it's just so much better than trying to hide. So as you listen today, I hope you'll keep those in mind. And uh, as always, it's good to be with you. God bless you. Enjoy your time as you uh, absorb what's being said. This month, we'd like to make an offer available from our friends at Faith Life Bible. For any gift at our website, dougmirenradio.com, you will receive this month the hard copy Bible from Faith Life. This study Bible is loaded with the latest in Bible scholarship and will be sent right out to you by our friends at Faith Life. Or you may mail gifts to Doug Murin, caught on tape at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Please forward any questions to doug.murin at gmail.com. You will love this hard copy illustrated Bible. You can also receive an offer from Faith Life and the Murin Group for Bible software packages by any size gift at dougmurinradio.com in the gift section. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. The point of... uh this chapter, though, that we want to look at is the big question. It's the first question God asks in the Bible. Where are you and why are you hiding and what has separated me from you? I've come to have fellowship with you in the cool of the day and you are not here. This chapter lists to our clear, our clear observation what I would call and what has been called by theologians for centuries the primary calling of man. Uh, I'm often asked, how can I know the will of God? How can I be certain I'm fulfilling what he's called me to be? And this chapter contains the answer to that question. I like to say, first off, you must fulfill the primary reason God called you before any other calling will have a chance of coming into perspective. We are primarily called to love God and to enjoy him all the days of our life. We are called primarily to be creatures who have intimate fellowship with Him. That is our primary call. All other guidances, all other callings grow out of that one fulfillment of our being, which is to know God and to know Him intimately. Now, one of the unfortunate things that's happened in evangelicalism is we've made Christianity to be as though it were only a series of crisis events and decisions we make. Uh, for example, I've been born again, so that settles it. I said a prayer one time, or I looked up or something, and I'm, I'm really okay now. Uh, or I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or I've been baptized in water. All essential foundation to our relationship with God. But let me tell you, those are only starting points for what God really called us to. Christianity is in its essence man stopping to be caught by God so we can be intimate with him. That is why Jesus Christ came. We are called to know him better and better and better. It's a journey. Uh, Being satisfied that we're born again or filled with the spirit, baptized in water, would be something like saying, I hey, tomorrow morning I'm going to set out on a journey in my car to New York. And getting about three blocks down the road, say, well, I got a good start. I may as well stop. Do you see what I'm saying? We're on a journey. We're pilgrims. And if you're considering Christianity, I've got good news for you. It is not a crisis event. It's not fire insurance from hell. 
It's a lifelong committed devotion to follow him and answer this question every day. Where are you? To be a believer is to stop hiding and be apprehended by God every single day of our life. All of the health in our, I'm convinced physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, grows out of our regular practice of stopping long enough to let him catch us. I'm going to sell you on that today. I know of a woman who in her mid-70s met Christ in her dead deathbed. I know the whole story very well and very intimately. Uh, I knew the woman. I knew that whenever you mentioned Christ, she tightened up and tended to be a little hesitant to be too intimate with anybody, even her family. Her husband was an alcoholic, her first husband. Her second marriage, she had married a very nice man, very warm individual, took very, really had a great relationship. But her first marriage had been to a gentleman who was a bad, bad alcoholic, one of these kind of guys that uh, would take the Christmas check and bonus and disappear for three weeks. And they lived in logging towns and verbally and physically abused this woman and the kids. In fact, the children will tell stories of, of going from tavern to tavern looking for their father on Christmas or on weekends as he would, wouldn't appear around the house for days at a time. It was in this milieu of a dis, dis, despicable relationship and kids impoverished and, and all that. She found she was uh, with another child and it was in the 40s and she panicked and didn't know what to do and uh, went to a back alley abortionist and had an abortion. Now, you got to know this woman was very upright. This had uh, been raised in a home that uh, had some acquaintance with Christ and this really crossed the grain with what she knew to be right and wrong. But she was so panicked. By the pressure of the moment, that is how she chose to solve the problem. She'd lived with this secret for nearly 50 years. Had never talked to anybody about it. When they found she had cancer in a lung that went quickly to her brain, she shared with her son the story she had carried her whole life and had never been able to talk to anybody about. And when she began to tell the story, she began to ask for forgiveness. And at that moment, for the first time in her life, she found herself able to receive Christ. This dark secret had blocked her. It had been that which had blocked her and obstructed her ability to know God or even want Him. And that's a very painful story, and that involves something really very serious. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of us here who maybe don't have sin that keeps us hiding. A lot of times it's our success and our activities. I have uh, recently come to believe that uh, as perfect as an individual as I am, and I'm not perfect, I think there is something honorable about saying I've got room to grow in. I, I, I think there's something wonderful about that. And and so I'm not afraid to say, I'm come to convince that probably, I'm not probably, I'm pretty certain I was adrenaline addicted. I have a great propensity to stress addicted where I've got to have my plate fuller than can be accomplished because I, I feel then energized by that. And that's a, it's a way that I kind of hide from God sometimes. Uh, not for long, not as long as you do, but you know, for short periods of time, I hide from God and, and it, kind of came to bear. There's this gentleman in Colonel Rutledge who wrote a book called In the Presence of My Enemies. And he describes how he met God in a North Vietnamese prison. And he said the first few nights he found himself in the darkest dark he'd ever been in. Dungeon was just pitch black and 
He had no music, he had no activities, he had no successes, he had no education, no aeroplane, he had no activities, he had no friends, no family. All of the noise that had filled his life was shut off and he found himself in a dungeon silent by himself. Which kind of uh, reminded me of an old Beatles song. You remember the one they did on Sgt. Pepper's album? Uh, they had one line in there that was pretty, pretty good. What do you see when they turn out the lights? What do you see when they turn out the lights? And Rutledge said, when they turn out the lights every night and he was by himself and no human contact, what he saw when they turned out the lights was absolutely nothing. That he'd built his life and constructed it with absolutely nothing. And he realized there was a deep, empty cavern in his life. And he found that he wasn't alone in that dungeon that God was there. Now, he'd heard about Christ and he'd, you know, thought about it. His wife wanted him to go with him to church often and he thought that's kind of silly. And, but then he found when everything was shut off and he was truly silent, God came and apprehended him and caught him in that North Vietnamese prison because he shut off the noise. And here's what he said in this book. It's unfortunate that every man and woman on this planet can't have everything else shut off in their life as he did at some point so they can be caught by God. Christianity is not primarily God hollering out, or man hollering out to God. Christianity is primarily stopping and answering this question, letting God speak to you where you are. I keep a little journal. I, I don't like to spend a lot of money on them, so I go get these cheap buck and a half little notebooks. I put a date, and I kneel down, or I sit at my desk, and I've read my five to ten chapters, and I then sit before the Lord, and I say, God, I want you to catch me, and I am listening, and here's how God will speak to you. He will sometimes cause a verse that maybe you've just read come to be lifted and highlighted in your life. I encourage you to write that down. He gave me a couple psalm verses the other day. Sometimes it's a word. The Holy Spirit will inspire a word. It may be like love. It may be like lighten up. It may be like, uh, you know, patience. It may be one word. I find one word and out of which comes a sequence after several days of kind of insights. I think the Lord sometimes will use other people to speak into your life. And if you're in listening prayer, you may recall something that somebody said to you. And you realize, hey, that just was not an aside comment. That was something God wanted me to assimilate into my very being. If you will take 10 to 15 minutes a day in listening prayer, I promise you, your entire life will be revolutionized. And you are not authentic, authentically a Christian until you pause to answer this question. You are not authentically a follower of Christ unless you stop running for God, unless you stop chasing after Him, and you kneel down or whatever you do in your car or wherever, you stop and say, God, catch me through Jesus Christ. And that is what grace is. Grace is the end of your pursuing God and you're stopping long enough to answer the first great question that God asks. Where are you? I am here, Lord. Apprehend me and know me and let me fulfill this call to be intimate with you. When you've been intimate with God, all other factors in your life begin to come into focus. I guarantee you. Test me on it. Hey, you've been listening to... Uh 
message today on questions Jesus asked. We've got several more of those questions we'll probably go over in ensuing weeks. Uh, let me let me tell you what we're doing now at the Nearing Group is we are doing live radio shows at some select churches. All you have to do is ask and you'll probably get selected. And we also are doing things that I think are so important, schools of evangelism. And uh, if you would like to uh, host one of those or be aware of those, you're, you're really encouraged to do that. We also are excited to really to give you the opportunity to be able to support financially our uh, purchase of airtime. We have some other stations who want us. I'm very slow to move. Uh, but you know, we, we, our prayer is this. We are, we are really wanting not just to entertain Christians. We're wanting to equip Christians and to reach to people who need to know Christ as their friend and savior. And so we're, we're giving ourselves to doing that better and better and better all the time. And everything's invested in us. It goes into doing that better and better and better all the time. And in subsequent months here, I'm going to be including some other personalities with me in the show. So we can pass that on to uh, different kinds of stylings in this regard. So God bless you and thank you for considering us and your giving. And uh, you can go to our website, DougMurinRadio.com, DougMurinRadio.com. Most of you have a computer, you can go there. And I have an address where you can mail your your gift or you can go to PayPal or uh uh, how, however, it, it will guide you there. I'm sure it's very clear. And thank you again. We love you. And uh, God bless you for your considering us. This month, we'd like to make an offer available from our friends at Faith Life Bible. For any gift at our website, DougMurinRadio.com, you will receive this month the hard copy Bible from Faith Life. This study Bible is loaded with the latest in Bible scholarship and will be sent right out to you by our friends at Faith Life. Or you may mail gifts to Doug Murin, caught on tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Please forward any questions to doug.murin at gmail.com. You will love this hard copy illustrated Bible. You can also receive an offer from Faith Life and the Murin Group for Bible software packages by any size gift at dougmurinradio.com in the gift section. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, caught on tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com. 